Hello there. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of Jedi Knights. I'm your moderator, Christian Buckley, joined from a galaxy far, far away by my chewy Mike Connors. Not so far away, again, Christian. You gotta be. <laughs> See, I know it's, it's the same state, but I'm, I'm just used to being so close to you all the time. I know, we're, we're, we're so far away from each other now. We are. Um, you, you're like a... Basically, the technology that we're using is like Leia in Episode Five when she like reaches out to Luke Skywalker in Be on Bespin. So the Force. Yeah, but like you know, whatever, Christian. <laughs> you know, you know, Mike. Uh, Star Wars has this great thing called like a holograms that also are used. Yeah. All right, do you do you remember like uh, must have been like maybe eight years ago, like CNN like used like a hologram on TV. Do you remember that? No, I remember the Michael Jackson hologram, but I don't remember CNN one. Yeah, no, I, I, th I remember very clearly. It was like one of their election uh, nights and they had like a hologram of a reporter and it looked like it looked like R2-D2 beaming in like Princess Leia. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's great. Yeah, but whatever. That's yeah. a tangent. How you doing? Good, man. Just mm -hmm. quarantined. How are you? Doing all right. Uh, again, still in quarantine. Uh, have you been doing? I want to ask you this. Have you been yeah. doing any Star Warsy things outside of our uh, Clone Wars viewings? Oh, in well, this funny quarantine? that you, funny that you asked me. I was actually reading this earlier today, and it's it's right here next to me. I'm reading the uh, first volume, and I'm holding it up to the camera right now. And it's just the the jack the dust jacket because I actually I took the book out while I was reading it. But mm -hmm. uh, it's the first volume of Star Wars, uh, like the first run of Star Wars. Um, oh nice the uh the marvel yeah. run yeah the, the first marvel run um so yeah that's what i've been doing what about you uh that that bridges the gap from four to five right that was the first run yeah that's the one that i'm talking about yeah. nice very cool um nothing on the lore side but um i acquired a 1000 piece puzzle of the millennium oh, did Falcon. you yeah is it like how far are you into it uh i've i've found like three quarters of the border pieces oh there you go yeah so <laughs> yeah um, this takes a while <laughs> yeah but it it's a cool looking puzzle i'm probably gonna frame it it's probably going in the background of the set once i finish it but um yeah so uh, how do you keep that from like falling apart so um when i assemble it i think i'm just gonna do it on um like a poster board or something and then get some like spray glue finisher once i'm done i see yeah to, uh, keep it all together but it's it's nice i've definitely been looking into more like hobbyist things and it's funny because the hobbyist stuff i've been looking into have has been star wars related <laughs> um like i've browsed the lego page i've looked at some model kits but i owned the puzzle already so yeah they have like those those like really small models i don't know mm. if you if you know what i'm talking about but like they kind of just like i don't know they're like pieces of tight like small metal and you can like put them together mm -hmm. they're really cheap they're really cheap they're a good alternative to the super expensive lego sets that are out there like have you ever seen the prices on those things yeah like man. the millennium falcon is like 800 bucks i know there's the one we talked about a couple weeks ago the um the razor crest in september it's like 130 i think i'm gonna go in on that that's not so bad actually yeah it's pretty all right but do we know how many pieces are in that or 
I don't know off the top of my head, but it looked sizable because there was like a cargo slider and stuff like that. Like the inside of the ship was there. So I'm actually thinking about restarting a new game of Knights of the Old Republic tonight. Ooh. So so that's that's another thing that I'm thinking about doing. Very nice. And uh, listeners, if you are looking to Star Wars outside of the films uh, and to get you through this quarantine, please reach out uh, Twitter, comments to the YouTube video, anything. Let us know. Give us recommendations because we got time. <laughs> yeah, we really do. Uh, um, anything, anything is welcome. <laughs> absolutely. But uh, a little bit of a light news week, considering we recorded last week's episode later in the week than we normally do, just because of scheduling. And uh, yeah. we're back on track now. This is Monday, April sixth. The episode will be coming Wednesday, April eighth. So uh, there's a couple news stories that didn't quite make it into our last episode that we can go over first off uh cassie nandor has hired a production designer interesting mike i don't know if you watched the hbo series chernobyl i did um by craig mazin right that's his name yes the he's the writer and he's also working on the last of us show right now for hbo which right. is exciting for me i like that he was also he was also ted cruz's college roommate really <laughs> yeah did you know that no i didn't <laughs> his tweet uh, oh my god so funny like back in 2012 when like ted cruz ran for president that time uh mm-hmm. he was like tweeting all about uh, all about ted cruz as a roommate and apparently he was a pretty bad roommate according oh, to craig I, I mason would, i would bet <laughs> that, uh, just a funny that's just a funny aside anyway you're saying so uh luke hill luke hull excuse me uh was the worked on chernobyl in production design and he's being hired to shepherd the production design for cassie nandor uh which is one cool congrats chernobyl is acclaimed uh i love i didn't get to watch it but like the visual look of that show just from teasers and advertisements is like striking have you not seen chernobyl i haven't yet no but uh, okay mm-hmm. yeah uh, what about you uh, somebody's seen it well okay can this might sound like a really dumb question but can you just explain for me what a what production designers do so uh, production designers are really they're kind of like an overhead level of just general uh, cohesiveness to a lot of the design aspects of the show from like conceptual to uh, digital sets um, uh, costume design character design working heavily with like the DP and stuff like that so they deal with more of like the the visual aspect of it in a sense yeah like okay that is definitely part of the job description <laughs> yeah okay but so they're basically just like the visual producer which is their name like uh, on a very <laughs> like basic level like yeah they're integral to that process i see okay so. well that sounds pretty cool because i mean chernobyl chernobyl is much different than star wars obviously um yes. but it did have like this very like lived in sense to it um and it felt super real mm-hmm. and you know you create a show about like 1980s soviet union and it's gonna like you know you, you expect it to look a certain way and feel a certain way on screen and it definitely did mm-hmm. um just just as though just as if you are you know making a show about uh you know the beginning of the empire mm-hmm. um that like that grittiness and like that that realistic sort of vibe i feel mm-hmm. could be brought by him um if he was in charge of chernobyl which you know seems like he did a pretty good job with that so 
Yeah, and just uh, similar to what we talked about with Rogue One, as far as like being a really interesting transitional period between like the tail, very very tail end of the prequels, and then the beginning of the uh, the, the the original series, um, introducing a slightly earlier stage of that, like maybe more Solo era, I think is interesting. Um, like you're saying, and I'm definitely excited for Cassian and. I want to bring this up as well. The fact that in the midst of all of this, um, they're still trucking away on pre-production, which I think yeah. is interesting. Well, I mean, it's, it, I guess like this news kind of, it, it shows that they're farther along in the process than maybe we thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would assume that like out of any of the newer Disney plus shows that they announced, like this is probably the one it's probably next, right? Like, what what else have they announced? Uh, well, there is Obi Wan, which we're gonna get to in a moment. There's some more news there, but um, that that was announced far far later than the Cassian show was. Yeah, Cassian was like the that. second show they announced after Mandalorian. Right. So I guess like, I don't know. They have to. I guess they have to work quickly because there's also not really like much Star Wars content outside of the comics and the books right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and they have nothing really planned for you know movies anytime soon um mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think it makes sense that they're you know doing both at once and definitely it seems as though they're, they're they're moving forward quickly on it yeah and i think uh cassian i don't want to say like is fortunate with the state of things but like considering that they still haven't gone into production uh and pre-production is a lot of conceptual work and um drafting and non-practical aspects of production i guess in terms of the day-to-day we're making the actual show it's just like the the setup for it Mm -hmm. um to my knowledge and my experience with like very very small scale productions uh this stage of it is still workable in like a major comparison to the actual production of something say like uh, Marvel's Falcon and Winter Soldier, which was mid uh, mid production, they had to stop shooting because of everything going on. Right. I mean, I guess like I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is they may still be far away from like actual actual like production on this and like principal photography and stuff. But like mm-hmm. the fact that they they've moved quickly on this shows that they're um, I don't know they're they're being hasty with it. Um, mm-hmm. To me, at least, uh, who knows who knows how long they'll be stuck in pre production. Yeah, and I do think there is something to say, too, as well, that uh, the fact that so many productions are being pushed back, the fact that they're getting the groundwork done with this still uh, and still able to work on it in a close to 100% capacity, mm-hmm. maybe by the time we end up getting the stuff we were supposed to be getting, like Falcon um, and like the other original Disney Plus series, not just Star Wars, that got pushed back, then Cassian could be in the midst of all of these shows. You know, like when we all finally get back to what we were expecting to get, they got pushed back. It's like, oh, also Cassian was able to get into production when this show was able to get back into production. So like maybe the wave of everything I'm saying is like going to be bigger than expected when everything gets back to normal, you know? Oh, you're saying like like there'll just be a lot coming out at once? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, possible. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, th- I was gonna say a lot of a lot of the work that they're doing. I feel like 
is ob- is obviously limited because of the, the current state of affairs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with something like Cassian, obviously, like we don't know how far they've gone into it, but like it's it, it could you know there's still time to work on it, and mm. and and you know once this subsides, they could probably have most of it ready to go, and they just like you know really ramp it up at that point. Um, exactly. So I, I I can see I can see where you're coming from with that. Mm-hmm. So uh cassian like you're you've been saying i definitely think is probably closer especially considering the other announced series we have right now is obi-wan and uh we do have some more information about the production of obi-wan currently um the series has hired a new writer to come aboard after the recent uh kind of delay because it never really had a date (laughs) but um we now know that joby harold who has written for rick and morty is now going to be writing the obi-wan series that's strange to me i full disclosure i don't think i've ever watched rick and morty before i've seen like three episodes i apparently i'm not smart enough to understand rick and morty so i just got kind of (laughs) gave up on it (laughs) yeah honestly like i don't know i've watched like one one or one or two episodes like here and there like when my roommates are watching it like there's some something something like that and i don't hate it like i just i don't never really got into it enough to watch it on my own um mm-hmm. i don't really it's more that's more of a comedy though isn't it like i guess what do you know what else this person has written uh or... i can do a quick imdb search but yeah i'm kind of on the same page with you on, on rick and morty like i think it's fine you know i liked uh community is one the first three seasons of community is one of my favorite uh tv shows of all did time. this person this person write community no uh similar team er, right on for rick and morty and community oh okay so yeah. it looks like uh joby harold also wrote for uh the recent guy Ritchie king arthur film that came out in 2017 okay um edge of tomorrow the tom cruise like live die repeat thing right okay and john wick chapter three parabellum interesting yeah that's interesting i mean i i've never seen john wick i i feel like increasingly like less uh less qualified to be talking on these topics Mm -hmm. um because yesterday or not yesterday last week when you when you said who was that actress's name that i like curtis yeah (laughs) um so i feel like super unqualified to be talking about this at the moment but like i don't know do we know who else is writing for for Mandalorian? For Obi Wan, or Obi Wan? Um, I I can check to see if there's anything announced. I know that after the recent like reshifting, mm-hmm. the uh, original writers had departed, but um, I don't know what happened to their drafts. Uh, it does not look like I can find anything currently about the former team. But I will say, considering we did talk about Craig Mason a few moments ago, before Chernobyl, the other thing he wrote was The Hangover. Is it really? Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe they can take standard action movie fare. Uh, well, like, Edge of Tomorrow was, like, unique in its premise, but I don't know how much that goes down to the actual script. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like, so... The, you know how they had that whole like debacle with um i, I guess it was all rumored that uh disney like axed a bunch of 
a bunch of the script for the original Obi-Wan show. Do we know if that's true or not? Or do, or do we have a pretty good inkling that it's true? Um, and I'm wondering if this person was, like, hired in its place, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I pulled up a Variety article talking about the Obi-Wan series and Joby Harold's hiring. So it looks like originally um, we had... We had Hosin Amini writing the project, who and they left in January, and that was going to be the original pitched Obi Wan show. And then when the rumors came out and the unofficial delay, because like it, or like the announcement of a reworking, I guess. Yeah. By that point, the original writer had left. So, considering they are bringing on a new writer, I think, regardless of whether or not someone has explicitly said, yeah, they weren't happy with the scripts, the fact that a new writer is coming in definitely signifies, like, a shift in vision or maybe ambition. I don't know. Okay, I guess this is more of, like, a hypothetical question, but just Mm -hmm. to keep the conversation, like, Obi-Wan TV show related, Mm -hmm. um, like, what what would you would you like to see from this like like how would you want like an obi-wan tv show to feel like uh i i guess like take take that question as you will and like just just expand Mm -hmm. upon it so i think clearly what i want to see i think they touch on a little bit in rebels um like looking at his history dealing with the the idea of him in isolation and what he's still able to do, what he's capable of doing. But from the the fact that this writer is coming in, and when you look at his live-action projects, um, you see a trend. You see John Wick, you see Edge of Tomorrow, and King Arthur, which were all action movies. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if the Obi-Wan show is going to skew more to being a, like, one-last-ride for Kenobi sort of thing. Yeah, like like Obi-Wan Kenobi goes on a huge adventure kind of thing. Yeah, maybe like huge in the, You know what? I I don't watch this show. I have no attachment to this franchise, but Yeah. So I guess like the the sort of thing they're doing right now with Picard. Oh, of interesting. Like, <laughs> like rip a guy out of rip this esteemed general out of his retirement slash self-isolation. <laughs> to do one last thing before he goes on his actual one last thing you know yeah yeah no i just like i don't know like i was wondering if it's gonna be like well to me like i want this this show to be limited like i want it to be like two seasons right like yeah like i don't want it to go on forever i don't think they would make it go on forever honestly i think it would be cool if it was just like a mini series like just one season right mm-hmm. um but yeah, no, I guess, like, I was wondering if it's just gonna be, like, oh, like, these are all, like, the funky little things that Obi-Wan gets into, and it's, like, like, two episode arcs, you know? Like, yeah. just different, different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, or mul- multiple, multiple little, little issues that he gets himself into over the course of one season. Or if it's going to be, like, he gets, he gets tapped for this, like, huge mission that's, I don't know, I don't know, significant in some way that he would agree to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, that takes that takes the course of two seasons. 
Yeah, I, I think the the idea of making it a miniseries mini might be what the original pitch was, considering that uh, from Ewan McGregor interviews, it turns out that it was originally planned as a film and then adapted into a series. So I think five months ago, the plan may have been a miniseries, a six-episode limited series about this one story, but maybe post Mando where they see that they can do like shorter episodes that all feed in together. Uh, maybe they take the lessons they learned from Mando into account, but I, I'll ask you this too. I think, do you think, cause I f have an answer in my head. Do you think they're going to skew more towards the prequel rogue one solo vibe when it comes to the storytelling and the plot and the actual like themes of it all or do you think they're going to lean more into the 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 mandalorian episode four samurai film kind of vibe i i don't know for sure i would kind of hope that it was more like rogue one ish um I guess in the sense that I just want to see Obi-Wan Kenobi like living in this new time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I think Rogue One did a really good job sort of like communicating that. Um, like Obi-Wan's just like living on Tatooine like an exile. Like he has to keep it, keep it on the DL. And I'm sure he goes like into Mos Eisley every so often. And I think it'd be interesting to see him like interact with like that underworld side of it. Um, mm. uh, you know, just you know i guess i guess more like action action based and not not as much of the mandalorian episode four kind of vibe mm -hmm. it's interesting because i am definitely leaning more on the side of i want to see him just kind of like like a slice of life thing almost really <laughs> you know? okay like just him similar to what you were saying about like him maybe he goes to moss eisley once he has an encounter with someone um you know, I could it could be really interesting if it's just focused in on being like a character piece of like maybe there's a lead that pops up about uh, if you want to bring Ahsoka into it too. Maybe there's a lead about Ahsoka and then he's like calling in meetings or something and then just like speaking with people and it kind of goes nowhere. And then he's like, oh, well, I should just give up. And then that's the end of it. I feel like he could do an interesting story about his character there maybe. But yeah, it doesn't wanna, seem I, that's that direction. No, it doesn't. I, I kind of just like, <laughs> and this is just going into like my what i would want to see uh but i i kind of want to just see him like do like one last jedi thing you know um yeah and like get get pulled into like i don't know he's got to go he's got to go do some jedi stuff uh somewhere somehow um, yeah i don't know <laughs> i i definitely think that that is probably the avenue they choose to go with it um yeah. and i guess closing out on this considering they're rewriting it right now, considering the things we've talked about specifically last week and sort of a question I just had of like reasoning what would get Obi-Wan to come out of hiding in self-isolation. Do you think that with the positioning that Disney and Lucasfilm have been doing right now, do you think there's a chance that Rosario Dawson shows up and then it's like Ahsoka and Obi-Wan doing something maybe? I think... Yeah, I think it's a high possibility, to be honest, because here's why. 
I, I don't think Obi-Wan Kenobi would stop, um, you know, take, like looking over Luke. And I don't think he would like leave Tatooine if whatever was, you know, pressing and whatever he needed to do wasn't like mission critical in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like if it didn't, if it didn't jeopardize like the Jedi or like even Luke in some way. And, you know, Obi-Wan's a wise guy. He's a Jedi. He's prescient enough to see these sort of things. So, um, that's where I would see Ahsoka Tano coming in because it would have to do something more like ethereal, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like a, like a greater threat that, that, you know, jeopardizes not just like Luke, but also like the fate of the galaxy. And we all know why Obi-Wan's on there on Tatooine anyways, it's to take care of Luke. So mm-hmm. why would he leave? Because, you know, his actions in a way may save Luke. And if he doesn't leave, Luke may, you know, I don't know. This is just all a thought here, but no, I I totally think that this is all reasonable. It sounds like not predictable, but like standard fare for revisiting a character like this, like positioning it as a one last thing, yeah, um, yeah. like a Logan or I don't know, Dark Knight Rises, maybe. I don't know, but I just don't know how else you could really do it. And I hate to like I hate to play into like oh you know, it's it's just kind of like. Like, like you said, standard fare for a character like this, but mm-hmm. there's not much else you can really do to make it compelling. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm hopeful still. I'm, I'm Me too. Eagerly anticipating the series. I have a I have a question for you. Maybe you know the answer. Do we know what happens to the Mandalorian because of all this? Like, is that getting pushed back? So Mandalorian, luckily, a couple weeks ago, wrapped shooting. Oh, okay. So they're just yeah, they're just finishing it then yeah so they're in post right now and i could see maybe at most because well it's different than games because you're doing less intensive things but also you're still doing cgi renders so or actually i don't think you are because the way mando does its set design that's true so maybe we still get it on time i mean yeah i i don't know if we're gonna get it on time on time Mm -hmm. um I was going to say at most, I think it might be like a two week or a month delay. I don't, but I don't think it's anything more than that. No, because it's promising that they've finished filming it. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the problem is, is if like, if they need to do reshoots, mm. um, they're, they're going to have to wait. Right. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, those don't normally happen until like pretty late into the post-production process anyway. Yeah. So as of right now, Mando seems to be safe. So that's good to hear. good news mm-hmm. uh you know what isn't safe mike <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> my wallet oh sh- <laughs> uh, uh, be- why because a couple actually uh the tail end of last week or actually no the beginning of last week <laughs> um we actually missed this in our sh- run-up show last week hasbro announced a, a new batch of black series star wars figures this was just a week ago march 31st on the star wars blog oh wow can you run through them oh i'm run through them man <laughs> we'll Let's go through these real quick so we got um first off wait hold have... on wait 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 wait. before you start mm-hmm. uh we gotta we gotta yub and nub each one of them oh sure all right okay so first you're, I'm going to be bad on some of these names because I don't know them specifically. But okay. uh, the clone with the wolf on his shoulder from Clone Wars. Isn't that wolf? 
I think his name is Wolf. He, I think yeah. he's in. <laughs> I didn't want to just call him Wolf, but yes, he's uh, he's getting a Star Wars Star Wars vintage collection. So like the replicas of like the Kenners, I guess. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Those those kind of seem lame to me, to be honest. I I've, I remember they had like a bunch of the Knights of Ren, mm-hmm. uh, for Rise of Skywalker, and I never never went for him. Yeah, I mean, why would you? It's the Knights of Ren. <laughs> I mean, I read the Kylo Ren comic books, dude. Yeah, but... sure. You have, you have more of an attachment. They still kind of suck. <laughs> All right, so uh, you ever nub on Wolf? Um, I'll, I'll nub on that one. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a big nub. Uh, we also have a, from the Vintage Collection, K2SO. All right. Um, nub. Ooh. Did you not like K2? I don't remember. No, I do like K2. I'm just... If I'm going to spend money on an action figure, then I want to spend them on the Black Series, because those are super well done. Yeah. Um, for 20 like bucks, the, yeah. For sure. I mean, like, I just know that the, the Vintage Series, like the Kenner ones, they're, they're like, not as good quality. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're cool. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. And I also think the cool, like, play sets that they have, have you seen those? Um, like, the Kenner play sets, they have, like, Jabba's Barge and stuff. Yes. Um, I actually, I think I have... I still have my Star Wars toys up in the attic somewhere from when I was a kid. Like yeah. the, the ones I had back in like the, the Revenge of the Sith days. Of and my cousin my cousin who grew up with Star Wars gave me some of his like original ones. So I might have one of those Kenner sets. Yeah, I mean they definitely had them back in the day, but I think they started to like like remanufacture them. Yeah. Because I've seen them in like Target. Yeah. Um, and you can like you know buy the, the action figures for them um and those are cool but like i said if i'm going to spend money on an action figure <clears throat> in my opinion i think the black series ones are just better quality and I, absolutely I, I would just i would spend my money on those rather rather mm-hmm. spend my money on those for sure well lucky for you we're done with the with those now we're in the black series all right so not to be have... a, not to be a debbie downer or anything but... no i'm with you i wouldn't i would go out on the black series over anything else yeah we have a carbonized graphite mm-hmm. stormtrooper. That's cool. It looks chrome. Oh, uh, I'll... Chrome, chrome dome. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll actually when I'm editing this, I'll have pictures of each one so the audience can follow along on our yub and nub and uh, see what it is. But I can send you um an image of them if you would like. Yeah, send it. Send just like text me an image of them, yeah. and I can see it right on my screen here. So this is the the carbonized graphite stormtrooper. Yo, looking cool, right? That looks pretty sweet. Oh, it's like the fortieth Empire Strikes Back edition. Yeah, we have a couple of those actually that are in this set. Um, Interesting, man. That looks really cool. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that one. It's uh, funny because like I actually have at my house um or my parents house like this gray uh well it's like a silver darth vader action figure um and it was from the 30th year anniversary of um a new hope i think back when i was a kid very cool yeah um just an aside Mm -hmm. next up we got an ewok i don't know what the ewok's name is i don't have a name on this one but uh it's the it's an ewok with a spear and what looks like a gamorian guard headdress almost. true true um yeah not wicked no wicked's the only one i like if i'm being real <laughs> he's like the only one that's named 
Yeah, and that I he's the one in the Lego game. He's the one I liked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he looks cute. Yeah, uh, I, I'd say nub on that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's like the most fitting nub of all time. But it absolutely is. But do you know what the dimensions of this are? It's definitely smaller than six inches. If I'd had to, if I had to or say twelve inches. Well, black series are mostly six, as far oh, as yeah, I know. Six, six inches, whatever. So, yeah, you're right. So I would say that's probably four. Yeah. Just looks... judging on like what the proportion would be next to the stormtrooper, maybe yeah yeah um like this one i don't know which way it's gonna go for you personally <laughs> we right, got a carbonized boba fett oh this is a huge yub really yeah i mean i call i just collect like the black series mm-hmm. um and yeah i saw this actually and i wanted to buy it <laughs> yeah it's for listeners it is a if you could imagine a glistening Boba Fett, a Boba Fett that's armor is just, it's dirty in its design, but it still just glimmers. Right. Um, this is this may be the best that Boba Fett has ever looked, personally. He looks pretty cool in this, I have to say. Um, mm. And also the packaging on the box looks awesome. Yeah, it's like a nice, like, shimmery green, like an emerald almost. I can just only, I can imagine what it looks like in real life. I'm sure it's like, it's very, like, chrome uh mm-hmm. but yeah no you just sent me the photo of him alone without the box mm-hmm. huge yup yeah <laughs> do you think huge you're gonna yub. go in on that one i might to be honest mm-hmm. what about I... you no 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 no, no? you're you're a nub on this one i mean I, I i think it looks cool but i'm not buying that thing you know like oh, okay a different black series mandalorian has stolen my heart so we'll get to that one okay fine. next up though good old admiral akbar thank god getting a black series it's 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 about time <laughs> yeah it's funny with the admiral akbar one because his armor like his armor chest tunic thing and his sleeves and pants they look so clean and like so basic but then you get the detail of like every scale and like a little pore on his body it's so it's very funny just that all the detail is in like the head and hands i know because it's the only thing that's exposed yeah <laughs> uh i mean uh, yeah it, it looks cool i, I would probably wouldn't buy it but um, yeah uh, that's a, a nub for me personally yeah nub see i like i said i collect like these but yeah i i didn't i have limited resources so i have to i have to choose which ones i want to buy Mm -hmm. (laughs) um this one maybe not well mike let me send you the biggest yub of the bunch for me personally the one i've been waiting for i missed out Mm -hmm. the first round but we are getting beskar armor dinjarin with the jetpack with a jetpack with a jetpack i gotta get me one of those i yeah me too man (laughs) (laughs) uh wait so uh this is this is not a carbonized edition um i don't believe so no he does still have like the shimmer to him but we get standard black series uh quality for that one yeah that one looks really cool Mm -hmm. um yeah this is a yub yeah this is a big yub this one unfortunately is not available for pre-order um yeah because 
like I said before, I missed out on the original when he was just for, referred to as Mando. That's the first one. Uh, missed that. Couldn't find it anywhere. But this one, I'm going there day one as soon as I can get this one. Yeah, so who's selling? Is it just like a Target exclusive or is it just you can kind of buy it, buy it wherever? So StarWars.com listed at the bottom of the page that you can get them at Hasbro Pulse, Big Bad Toy Store, Entertainment Earth, and more. But those are the three specifically that they linked. Okay. And um, again, so there, there are no exclusives then. Not to my knowledge, no. I feel like they would say that if there were. Yeah. So, um, that was a quick little divot into these. But um, I I have yet to purchase a Black Series figure. Hmm. And I want I want Din to be the first one. He just looks amazing yeah that's pretty cool um i have i have like some pretty weird like black series figures i have like uh i have a jane is solo <laughs> oh nice yeah because they, they dipped into legends a little while ago right yeah she has like she has like i don't know she's like wear it she's like wearing her pilot outfit it's pretty cool um mm-hmm. i also have uh darth revan <laughs> nice very nice which is pretty cool uh i've recently learned that there's a there's a light side darth revan black yeah. series action figure mm-hmm. i i know gamestop has that i saw that on a sale recently oh you saw it on a sale is that yes. so mm-hmm. hmm. interesting where <laughs> gamestop I'm, I'm it might be a gamestop exclusive i've only seen it in gamestop ads yeah, that's that's what I thought. But okay, so was it like an online sale? I don't know why I'm talking about this right now, but I think it was. But all right, I'll have to check. But yeah, well, very cool. Black Series is one of my more appreciated Star Wars collectibles, personally. Yeah, they're pretty cool, and they're very well made and affordable. Yeah, surprisingly, unless unless you're trying to get like the you know original Mandalorian carbonized edition, then you're going to be paying much out of pocket for that. Yeah so high premiums you know who else might end up paying in the long run mike uh god who me lucasfilm oh (laughs) why Uh, because that was a bad transition nobody's really gonna get mad the people that are gonna get mad like come on um in interview with screen rant pablo hidalgo lore master at lucasfilm uh basically yeah he's too good to us <laughs> he basically came out and said that the idea for ray to adopt the moniker slash role of quote skywalker was planned before the force awakens came out i hate that <laughs> i hate that so much see i'm sure many others will be there with you um i don't know how i necessarily feel about it i have a quote from him yeah read it uh so he said i like the idea that she's going to be our skywalker but she's not a skywalker then for our purposes quote the skywalker is really a metaphor it doesn't have to be something that's directly connected to blood which in practice like in theory yes this is what i wanted beforehand i i thought you don't have to be a Skywalker to be the hero of the story. I know you were on the same page there. Like, you don't think you have to be specifically the bloodline, but, like, you have to have some sort of significance to the central plot of it all. Yeah. That's sort of where you fell on it all, right? I mean, I think, I think yeah, in my opinion, like, it's the Skywalker saga, right? So you gotta follow what the previous two trilogies did. Mm-hmm. So 
that's where he stands on it. He said it was introduced as an idea conceptually before The Force Awakens even came out. So um, you can take that or leave it. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if there's documents that prove that or what. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna believe him because like it thematically it makes sense i guess with what this story was going for and how much ray struggled with her identity in seven that i could see realistically of like i'm nobody so maybe i'm just gonna fill this role on that level you know but in terms of her actually saying i'm not a palpatine now i am choosing the title of skywalker that i'm sure was modified Bef- like since the conceptual idea of this was formed yeah i'm thinking about it right now and i think that would be the whole like who are you like oh i'm ray skywalker thing was cheesy to me only because she had an identity right so like let's just pretend that she wasn't connected by blood to palpatine and she was truly like a nobody mm-hmm. you know that moment in rise of skywalker when she you know gets asked what her name is and she you know goes she she's already been through all the trials and the tribulations of that trilogy and she realizes that she's no one but she adopts the skywalker name that would have been cool like that would have been a really interesting way to handle it Mm -hmm. um and i think that's probably I don't know if that's that was their first original intention because if it was then jj abrams probably could have just like kept going with what ryan johnson did and not retcon whatever you know the whole like oh you're nobody thing in episode eight um i'm making eyes at the camera right now because i agree with you <laughs> well it's just like it's just i feel like that moment would have more emotional weight if she really was nobody and that whole metaphor yeah, and... that whole metaphor would make much more sense if she was seriously mm-hmm. nobody absolutely um, and I, I still, at the end of the day, I appreciate the message and what the meaning of it is and how it, what it signifies. But like, yeah, the execution does come off a bit, not stilted or wooden, but cheesy, I think is fair. Um, and then we also had a quote from Ray Carson, who has worked, she's worked on the, the books of seven or nine specifically. I know, I don't know if she did the other in the trilogy. Mm. Um, but her quote regarding the matter basically said a palpatine turned to the light giving sky these skywalkers an ultimate victory which like my only hang up there did she turn to the light if she was like neutral when we picked up in seven you know did she make a choice there yeah i don't really understand that i i don't think she really ever made a conscious decision one way or the other yeah, like, cause she, she was kind of pulled into it unwillingly. She made a decision to accept that she had to fill the role of the Jedi, you know, at the end of Seven. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's that decision, I guess, and she pushed away the temptation of the dark side and Kylo at the Forest. But, like, I think that would have been more of a common sense thing at that point. And then you don't even get the questioning of, like, she's so far deep into the Jedi training by the time she learned she's a Palpatine that... I don't know how much of a decision was made there. Like, obviously, if you found out you were the descendant of the most evil living thing in the universe, I'm sure you would need to take a few days, you know? So I don't blame yeah. her for that. But <laughs> Right. Like, she always I mean, seemed committed to me. That's what I'm saying. 
that's yeah i would agree with you and i think that's one of the main problems that i have with this trilogy is that she never i like she doesn't really struggle you know um she doesn't like she doesn't struggle in the same way that like luke struggled with his like with the pull to the dark side and how anakin had his pull to the dark side like i don't know like she kind of just seemed like she was on top of it all at, at every moment. And the only times that she had any weakness was like when Kylo Ren was like force timing her in a way or like touching Vader's mask or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and she would just get like upset. But that's about it. <laughs> I like... think. Yeah, I know we sort of have different viewpoints of that whole aspect of her character, but I think my main thing, like with all of this context that they're throwing at us right now is like, I, I think Ray did have valid struggles they were just different than the typical star wars hero but at the uh, end yeah. of the day they still f- like framed it to be around that typical archetype you know right which which i mean i don't think i think that the, if, if they were to make if they were to have made it more convincing they would have framed it a different way um, yeah like you don't take a character who's very clearly set up to have a different internal struggle not just like my father's darth vader you know like yeah. ray's like i have no one and then you have those two different those are two incredibly different like family trauma things to deal with but then you slot her right at the end into the position of oh my not my dad is vader not not my dad is palpatine but like almost the same sort of thing and then try to treat her like luke at the end of it all that's where the weird like mismatch comes in i think yeah i think i think you know in you know hindsight's always 2020 right but they should they should have just ran with what ryan johnson did yeah i understand that maybe they weren't like super thrilled with the react like the fan reaction from that um mm-hmm. which is obvious it's it seems obvious why they they chose to like you know connect her to palpatine in some way because they wanted to keep that like familial sort of relationship going which is very central to star wars um it rhymes yeah definitely rhymes (laughs) but yeah like they they could they they really should have just went all out with that and it would have made more sense i agree um mike do you ever think we're gonna stop talking about the end of that movie um probably not you know the more and more like i think about it and i actually watched it recently the more i dislike it but Mm, interesting i am saving my rewatch for when it hits disney plus but True. i'm looking forward to it because... that when, when is that i don't know if we have a date on that yet i'm sure it's soon yeah I, i'm guessing by like mid-april we have it because um i think that's when the physical release is around so they they probably did want to save the digital release that way and then hash out the the physical and plus same day right oh side note did you see the um did you see the box set for the skywalker saga i didn't okay never mind well let me hear it is it like interesting is it worth picking up do you think do we know things about it i know this is the 4k aspect i know there's like some behind the scenes stuff they're adding but yeah i mean it's 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 all nine films uh personally i don't think that there's much to to i I wouldn't buy it but like it comes in really cool packaging uh the front looks like the death star and it kind of like opens up and there's like a booklet inside and but like it's like a cardboard booklet and every page is like a new movie with the discs and stuff um 
it has like a bunch of cool art uh the original trilogy has like all the ralph Macquarie art um for like the inserts or whatever mm-hmm. um, i know it's like a 4k version of the 4k version of the movie i'm sure you get them all digitally as well uh don't quote me on that though it would make it wouldn't make sense if you didn't um uh yeah and then i know that there's like over an hour of bonus features for each film and then just like separate bonus features uh just like beyond that um it seems cool i don't know how much it is though probably too much it's probably very expensive (laughs) yeah but that's something that i saw recently Mm -hmm uh that's coming out soon right i would i was watching people unboxing it on youtube oh well yeah so i'm curious to see if there's any like uh featurettes that make their way online and i'm sure if there are we'll be covering it in the coming weeks but interesting yeah. to see what little secrets they have on there we should watch the rise of skywalker featurette <laughs> yeah i'm down once i can get my hands on that thing i'm down <laughs> definitely so um but mike that wraps it up for news this week word so now we shift our focus to yes the acclaimed the, you beat me to it the acclaimed star wars the clone wars animated series we are capping off season five this week and right. i kind of want to just run through the we'll run through the names of the episodes first general impressions then i want to ask you a big question okay okay yeah. So first off, we have two arcs. First arc is focusing on Darth Maul and Savage uh, accruing this army and uh, taking over Mandalore from Satine. Right. That is episode season five, episode one, Revival. Episode 14, Eminence. Episode 15, Shades of Reason. Episode 16, The Lawless. Mm-hmm. Then the second arc that closes out this season and closed out the original run of the Clone Wars. Right. Um, is dealing with a assault on the Jedi Temple, which is pinned on Ahsoka Tano. Right. This ep- season five, episode seventeen, sabotage. Eighteen, the Jedi who knew too much. Nineteen, to catch a Jedi. Twenty, the wrong Jedi. What a what a like what an arc to just like end the series on. But we'll get yeah. into it. Yeah. So let's start with the Darth Maul one. Sure. Um. Generally, well, what's the big what's the big question? So. I was going to say we can give some general impressions and oh, okay. then we can sure. get this big question. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. So starting with the Darth Maul arc, um, I think it's funny that these are the two arcs we have this week when last week so much of our discussion was about uh, Maul and Ahsoka. <laughs> yep. Um, so this week we continue that path because we get Maul sort of leaning more into the tactician uh, character trait that um he inherited from sidious and his training with him yeah we kind of see that we kind of see that come full circle too <laughs> yeah it's it's very nice um <laughs> and all of my like hesitations from last week talking about maul and like readjusting to this slightly new take on him um by the end of episode the first episode this week were washed away because i was really on board i think also from our discussion with the idea that this is all he's had for a decade so like he's all in on this plan th- this reasoning yeah. uh, these motivations um and kind of with you like savage i don't really care about <laughs> i tried yeah, i really don't <laughs> um 
but so i was surprised that so much of this arc is centralized on their perspective um, i think the first two episodes here revival and eminence are like 90 percent from their perspective sort of going across the galaxy and uniting all these crime families yeah yeah it's very interesting um and i also like the increased presence that honda onaka has yeah in this season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's like one of my favorite characters in this mm-hmm. series <laughs> he's just so silly yeah um but yeah i mean it's it's interesting to watch like just the relationship between the two of them um especially like how it ends i don't mean to like jump around too much uh, mm-hmm. but uh yeah i don't know it, this i also think it's cool that this this entire arc kind of just has to deal with everybody's hatred of obi-wan kenobi yeah (laughs) which is hilarious Mm -hmm. but really sad yeah for sure uh i want to ask you since you know a bit more of the the lore and sort of where this spirals to um is this ragtag group of criminals well they're kind of an army that uh maul has created is this the crimson dawn that's referenced in solo i don't know i I don't think that question has been answered to be honest um i don't know if that question has been answered yet i would assume so i don't Mm -hmm. i don't see i don't see how it couldn't be to be honest yeah like did he do this again in like 10 years is that i doubt i doubt it i mean yeah uh, i don't know just the way that this ends like uh, i don't want to have to like jump back and forth but like the way that this ends with like palpatine um you know kind of like telling will that like he is still his pawn you know mm-hmm. makes me makes me wonder if like crimson dawn has some serious palpatine influence um, god can you imagine i'm sure it does like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he's behind everything man yeah um on the flip side of maul in this arc uh, it is heavily reliant on obi-wan like you mentioned um yeah we see sort of the culmination of his history that was introduced in the voyage of temptation arc a while back oh yeah um satine is sort of just she gets usurped by um uh Ver- no not Varys. uh john favreau's character it's a v uh yeah uh uh gosh what is his name there's a v it's a v right uh uh something vizsla pre vizsla pre vizsla she gets Wait. usurped by, by pre vizsla in um a scheme that maul cooked up that would allow uh the warrior side of mandalore to return and uh honestly seeing all that plotting seeing it play out that way and seeing it be that fast of a turnaround was like an abridged version of what i loved about the prequels for our rewatch on the show just like all the political maneuvering and stuff yeah i loved this arc because of that yeah also i just looked it up it is pre vizsla awesome oh also uh bo katan right yeah bo katan katie sackoff i didn't know that i don't know who that is katie sackoff was starbuck on the battlestar galactica reboot wait seriously yeah oh i love her yeah she's awesome it's you know it's so cool she's in star wars i didn't know that that's pretty cool um that's so funny she kind of like the character kind of does remind me of starbuck in a way totally yeah um because uh, yeah i heard her voice i was like wait 
I sort of had a John Favreau moment again, and I was like, "That I know that. I've listened to podcasts with you. I know that." Yeah, exactly, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, have you watched all about Battlestar Galactica? Yes, I've I've only seen part of it, but it, that's a great show. It's very good. Yeah, big Star Wars energy sometimes. Oh, huge Star Wars energy. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool though. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah, very cool. Anyways, um, yeah, dude. Uh, can we talk about how Maul is just like some? He's a ruthless man. Yeah. He he just he really does it to Obi Wan. I felt that. Yeah, man. <laughs> like he didn't do enough by killing his master. Right. Now he had to kill a girlfriend. I you know huge huge on on Obi Wan for not going like crazy. Yeah. Um, he really like he really held it all in. So I got a question for you, as far as what, how I read that scene. When she said, uh, "I love you," I always will. Yeah. And he he held it together. I was expecting maybe like just a slight show of emotion, you know, not not necessarily saying "I love you" back or like crying or anything, but just like some like visible pain. But I feel like he just kind of took it yeah i think he did i think he i don't know man i think he may have just been i don't want to use the word corrupted because i don't think that that's the right character characterization for it but i think at this point in obi-wan's life he's very much committed to the republic and the jedi and yeah um i i don't know i think he knows that satine i think he knows that satine knows that obi-wan cares for her deeply and i think Mm. that he's just kind of come to terms with that i don't think he's necessarily trying to stop those feelings but i also think that he's not he's not letting it get out of hand to the point where it clouds his judgment and i think that that's very jedi of him Mm -hmm. um but also like you know metaphorically they're that entire order's downfall yeah and i I, you're totally right because like one scene later he's back up to cracking some obi-wan jokes when he's getting uh rescued but yeah. i don't know what's more sad the fact that like he didn't react much because of everything you just said because i did get that read out of it like yeah. just they're back and forth i always got the vibe that like she knows he he knows she knows that he cares like so i don't know if it's more sad that he didn't show emotion there and it's just like this is what his life is or if it's more if it would have been more sad if he was actually like visibly upset i think it's more sad that he didn't show any emotion to be honest that's where i'm leaning uh and i think the show did a good job showing that um but like i said it's not it's not without saying that i do think satine realizes that obi-wan cares for her deeply um Mm -hmm. And I don't think he really needed to say it in that moment, though it would have been nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> as she's dying, no yeah. one else is gonna know. Like, just suck it up, Obi Wan. Just like do it for her. Yeah. Um, also, she gets, she dies in like such a gruesome way. It it yeah. gives a, it gives a very new meaning to the dark saber. Mm-hmm. How so? I don't know. There's just like so much. There's like there's now like an emotional connection to it when you see um like Moff Gideon in the Mandalorian like pull it out like the okay. last scene. I got you now. Yeah. It car- it carries it carries a lot more to me now. Mhm. Yeah, I'm with you. Other- otherwise it was just like a cool weapon. For sure, yeah. 
Um, I, I like the scene where Maul claimed it also. Right. He's like, this is mine now. And then he used it against uh, the Emperor, or not the Emperor yet, Sidious, and then kind of just got his teeth kicked in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I, I did I did notice, or I, I was thinking about this when I was... um when i was watching it like it's kind of cool to see darth sidious like before like his face is all messed up like in emperor mode <laughs> yeah um i don't know it's just kind of funny to me i agree yeah so um i guess the close off of this arc um the finale between savage dying which i think i saw part of the scene before because it looked familiar um but savage dying i'm assuming maul takes his lightsaber because in this past week i realized that the lightsaber that savage had is the one that we saw in solo and it's like when did he get that thing the weird curve on it is that true i didn't even know well because remember when we watched solo it's like where did he get that lightsaber like it's just it's the long one again it's double bladed but it has this weird curve attachment to it savage has a curve on the top of his so i'm assuming he just took it yeah he must have right so um that's kind of interesting he takes mm-hmm. his brother's lightsaber and forms it back into like this new double blade yeah neat touch um but yeah. yeah one of the stronger ones i would think this week that arc oh one of the better yeah uh, dude yeah this is a, this is a good one <laughs> mm-hmm. um next up we have another arc which is even deeper on a personal level i think because it's about ahsoka this is straight up this is straight up the best arc in the entire series i think you're right <laughs> so. um this arc dealing with her treachery her framed treachery all the detective mode stuff that goes on like it's some of my favorite aspects of storytelling and i watched this one today um all of it yes the entire arc of the ahsoka being framed today and I, you know, I drew a comparison. I think it's the same reason why I love the Winter Soldier so much because there is that intrigue and then the hook of like, you thought, you know. Oh yeah, it's like a big twist. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the way they, I kind of saw it coming. I don't know how you felt. Wait, saw what coming though? There's so many things that happened in this. Like so, the, the fact that she was framed for it. Like no, 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 no. Like I had a feeling that was coming. Um, but. The fact that who betrayed her? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because we find out uh, Barris is the one who actually blew up the temple and betrayed Ahsoka and framed her. What a joke! And jerk. yeah, so again, we're watching a abridged version of Clone Wars, uh, the highlighted most important episodes, as deemed that way by our friend Jack. Thank you, Jack. Of course, worth saying every week. <laughs> um, so, it's been a while since we saw Barris, and I was like, oh, interesting. I wonder if they're just buddies, you know? And then, <laughs> I think the moment that tipped me off was when Yoda's giving the eulogy. And oh, then and she, they talk to each, each other? Yeah, and she's like, he taught me to use my lightsaber. And then, like, it hangs on her face for, like, a millisecond too long i was like you want me to think something about her don't you yeah also like immediately following that anakin and ahsoka are like walking to 
halls of the Jedi Temple and they're about to enter an elevator and Barris walks by and Anakin's like, oh, go be with your friend, Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, too much, too much emphasis put on that. <laughs> yeah, also then right after that, Ahsoka's like, hey, man, I hate that woman, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. I know. Um, um, so I have a question for you. I don't mean sure. to derail it, but like, so what of this did you know before? So I knew that Ahsoka left the order. Okay, but she didn't because really know, like, she how. thought they weren't doing. She like she lost. She thought they lost sight or something like that. Like she was like, "What I signed on for is not what I'm seeing right now." So that's what I knew of. So so you knew that she left, but you didn't necessarily like know how. No, I didn't know she was framed. I didn't know there was like a trial. I just knew that she left the order by choice because she wasn't about what was going on okay yeah so so you knew you knew the ending of it but yeah like i just didn't know how we got there yeah that's basically that's basically as much as i knew too but i knew that she was framed for the bombing Mm -hmm. Um, which was like i wish i didn't know that yeah because honestly i was i didn't realize that this was the end of the initial run until like halfway through this arc i was like oh this is probably how she leaves the order she's gonna get framed because she doesn't get framed until like the second episode of the arc i think yeah the first episode's really slow yeah i liked the first episode because it was doing that like that batman detective mode stuff and i was into that (laughs) that's Um, true it was like it was a anakin like ahsoka like (laughs) breaking into people's apartments and stuff yeah um also speaking of anakin uh the final moments of this arc where i specifically when anakin goes to the lower levels of coruscant from there on some of like i i ranked my favorite star wars characters after watching this arc and anakin skyrocketed after this week interesting so why because i i think i saw like a level of acting and performance from this take on anakin in a way that really did wonders for tying together like every stage of his life i think interesting because i never saw him like act this passionately because of padme you know, like, I know he made his choice because of Padme, but I never saw action because of Padme, you know? Like, I saw his his acceptance to the dark side because of Padme, and then his, like, following of orders in turn of that. Like, I never saw him go out of his way to do something that would benefit Padme like he did Ahsoka here. You know what I mean? Um, kind of. Do you, what? Like, what action are you necessarily... Like, like just the fact that he went to go find her yeah like no like physically doing that going there as fast okay. as he could and the way it was all edited the interrogation of Ventress when he finds her like the stalking and just like showing those seeds of the dark side i think better than they've done in the entire series so far yeah he went he went pretty berserk yeah like, and i believed it too because like i think the relationship with ahsoka is what made me believe it way more and just like solidify it mm-hmm. where I think some of the stuff is charming in the movies, but, like, I never really... It never really clicked of, like, 
Anakin killed younglings to save Padme. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that direct connection isn't there as much as it is where it's like Anakin went into the underworld, interrogated Ventress, confronted this other Padawan, which is a big deal. Like, being like, mm-hmm. hey, you murdered people. Yeah, straight up, like, fighting her in the Jedi Temple. Yeah, it just felt way more direct than anything he's ever done for any of his other well specifically just padme which is the reason why you believe that transition from anakin to vader for me Mm -hmm. i think it was demonstrated significantly better here and acted as like a nice capstone to everything you're definitely right i think it just adds so much more um like like it just adds so much more complexity to like the reasoning behind his turn to the dark side that too Um, yeah like he obviously throughout the entire run of the show from what we've watched loves ahsoka it's very Mm -hmm. clear and ahsoka loves anakin Mm -hmm. um not not like in a weird way but like they they care for one another and seeing the jedi order essentially kind of just seeing the jedi order essentially kind of just throw ahsoka away like that yeah and 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 just accuse her and not listen to her and not only did it affect the way that ahsoka felt about the jedi but it also definitely had an impact on anakin and mm-hmm. that like that ending scene man just made me like tear up yeah me too um it was intense so like when i watch or when i think about anakin's turn in episode three like it's it's so much more complex now like yes. it's it's he he's having you know that this this whole ordeal just just in- intensifies his disillusionment with the jedi order mm-hmm. and i think that is also where i was coming from in more of like yeah less of a moment to moment sort of thing which is what i was just talking about but like on right. the grand scheme like you're saying i totally agree um the one bummer about it though is that just because of logistics and because of the timeline of things we just we don't even get a reference in revenge of the sith and i know you know yeah i know i know but they've added so much you know they've added so much to these movies since they came out can we get one one small have hayden come and do an adr do something like i don't know anything you know it's gotta be like maybe he was just like still too salty about it like I don't know thinking about and i haven't watched revenge of the sith in a minute but like Mm -hmm. thinking about revenge of the sith like he didn't he was pretty like upset just from the get-go you know like he was just like pretty pissed off from like the beginning of that movie like at Mm -hmm. the jedi um so it makes me think maybe he's just like maybe he's just trying to forget about it and he doesn't bring it up and like because it's just so fresh Mm -hmm. um i wonder i wonder how season seven handles it Um, yeah I think where we won't get, like, the direct line about Ahsoka at some point in, like, a new updated version of Revenge of the Sith, I think seven, or season seven is probably going to go out of their way to, like, contextualize why. It has to. It has to. Because this sort of brings us to our, the question I want to ask you. Um, Because we don't really have the direct, solid, firm tie you know between all of this canon and then episode three again in keeping in mind seven could 
do stuff to remedy that and make it really solid. Do you think that Clone Wars is like some of, if not the best Star Wars at this point? Um, yes. 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 Huge yes. Um, I, and like, this is not really a secret. I obviously like the prequels. Um, yeah. And so do you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like, it just gives so much more depth to it all. Like, yes. Um, let's just put it this way like, watching Anakin and Obi Wan's duel on Mustafar is never going to be the same. Oh, yeah. Because you have all that background. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember. It, it feels It feels more real. Absolutely. Because I remember when we talked about the duel on i guess what would have been our third episode of this podcast (laughs) oh how far we've come yeah like back then i remember one of my points of criticism about it like it still was a cool fight and everything but like i remember one of the questions i asked you was did it ever really feel like you or my brother felt like it was true and i think with the context of the series now it's gonna like hit for me harder than it did before yeah it definitely does um mm-hmm. that's what i'm saying man it's like it's just like his anakin's turn to the dark side is like the reasoning why is is like much less like opaque like it's very clear now to me why mm-hmm. he why he chose to, to leave the jedi council um like i understand like there were there were slivers of it kind of like hidden throughout episodes two and episode three but this really gave it enough time the clone wars i I mean gave it enough gave enough time to like really enumerate the reasons why anakin skywalker has all this distrust for the jedi order um absolutely and, and not only the jedi order but like by proxy his own master which is like a really interesting sort of like thing that he has to deal in his own head and it comes and it comes to a head in episode three and i think it has it carries so much more emotional weight now yeah i i agree and we still have two seasons to go because like i mentioned before this was what the producers and filoni thought was going to be the end of the show because it got canceled um and next week we're watching season six which um was the netflix bring it like bringing it back to netflix sort of thing um it's like the the lost tapes right something like that yeah and with that as far as what i know ahsoka's not in that at all i think i think she's not so like confirmed uh where we leave off with ahsoka then is interesting because obviously we know she does stuff in rebels she shows up again for season seven but i think we can have a, probably a discussion like this with more hindsight once season seven ends, but I really do think that the legacy of Clone Wars is going to be felt for a very long time, more than other more recent Star Wars projects, I think. Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I think, I think it's heavily underrated. Um, oh, yeah. I think, I think it's... Like, it makes me upset that I hadn't watched it earlier, in a way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Keep in like, mind, again, we're skipping a lot of filler, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there there is a lot of filler. Um, yeah. And you don't need to watch every episode of this. And I'll stand by that. Um, yeah. I don't know if I ever will go back and watch all of it. I think I've seen what I needed to see. Um, yeah. I, I'd probably, honestly, I'd probably go back to rewatch some of my favorite arcs from this. Because, like we've said, they're kind of movies. Um, they definitely and, are movies. Yeah. And the, the, the favorites, I think, are really exceptional in terms of star wars storytelling so like i think i want to pose the question now we don't have to answer it but i do want us to keep it in mind for the next few weeks while we finish up this series this acclaimed series the acclaimed yeah see like that that has a new meaning to it it is quite acclaimed in my mind absolutely so the question is when we look at star wars as a whole where do we place this you know like Obviously, you have to look at it a little differently than the three trilogies, but I think at its core, it's still inherently Star Wars. It still stands as a story mm-hmm. in Star Wars alongside the movies. So, like, how it all shakes out for you, I really want to answer that question in the next couple weeks once we all have it all wrapped up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I can answer that question, like, definitively now, but I can, mm-hmm. I could, I can say that it's it's definitely up there yeah um, i w- just keep that in mind and be prepared to answer that once we finish the last episode of season seven yeah yeah but i mean i'm sure you agree it's 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 up there yeah it's wonderful i love it dearly and so. i uh, definitely keep it in mind because i want to so so are we thinking about like ranking it like <laughs> like i'm with, not opposed i'm not either i we could do that i i think i think it fits yeah because it it's all together it's one story i'd say it's a Soka's story it's all about her it's just one pillar in star wars that is just as important as the rest of it i think yeah you said it the best way wonderful well next week uh we are watching seven episodes according to jack on our list and these seven episodes are all of what we need for season six yeah, which ones are they? Uh, season 6, Episode 1, The Unknown. Episode 2, Conspiracy. Episode 3, Fugitive. Episode 4, Orders. Then Season 6, Episode 11, Voices. 12, Destiny. 13, Sacrifice. Okay, I think I've, I already watched the first arc. Awesome. Oh, <laughs> ahead of the game here. So, that is the homework for next week, and then we dip into Season 7. Well question for you mike sure since we've been watching eight do you want to cap off season six with the the first episode of season seven for next week why not so we can have a little taste of what to expect yeah sure i mean i i was actually maybe this is like an off pod conversation but like are we trying are we trying to like do one episode of season seven a week are we trying to just like catch up no i'm thinking after this batch we just catch watch up. everything that's out and then we go to the one week okay that's what i'm yeah. thinking so sweet be prepared for that but this was a wonderful star wars conversation as, as always, always it's a highlight yeah i think we just said as always at the same time <laughs> we absolutely did so uh mike if you would like to shout anything out please feel free to do so yeah you can follow me on twitter at mike p connors very nice uh if you want to follow me on twitter or instagram at Chris N. Buckley. I'm probably going to be posting pictures of this uh, Millennium Falcon puzzle. 
as I progress. Nice. And all the pizza um, that you make. Yeah, that pizza came out great, man. <laughs> Yo, that's that looked dope. I gotta say. Thank you, thank you. I'm did getting you, better. Did, did you make your own dough? Didn't get make my own dough or cheese, but I made my own sauce. I wouldn't expect you to make your own cheese. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> that's um, a lot. So if you enjoy the show, uh, if you listen to us on audio versions like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Pocket Casts, Google, whatever their option is for podcasts, I don't know the name of it. But if you can review us, if you can rate us on those services, it would be much appreciated if you enjoyed the show. Uh, I know we're all having a lot of free time, so sharing it around to friends or family members who also love Star Wars. Maybe, maybe you want to sell them on the Clone Wars. Uh, probably not this episode of the podcast, but our yeah. first episode about the Clone Wars was a guide, and we you ran may, through this whole thing. May want to start. Maybe may want to start with the beginning. Uh, Jack still needs to make that public so we can share it with the masses. He does, um, but I'll I'll post screenshots of it on the the Jedi Knights Twitter at Jedi Knights, so you can follow uh, us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're on YouTube, it's YouTube.com/slash/JoyClicks where you're seeing uh, our faces. Uh, the sun has been in my eyes for a little while, so yeah, you've, the, you've been seeing me overexposed. The sun, the sun had been like reflecting like off a mirror, and so there's like this big white spot <laughs> that people yeah. will see. But it, yeah. yeah, I look like a force ghost right now. <laughs> the blue outline, yeah. Christian. Where'd you go? I'm with Jack. Yeah, um, I'm next. <laughs> well, I know you're with you're with Pat and Jack. Yes, always. um but that is going to do it for this week of jedi nights uh if you listen to the show thank you as always but until next week we're fine everything's fine how are you may the force be with you general kenobi